Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. On the 6th of September 2021, six Palestinian prisoners escaped from the heavily fortified Gilboa prison in Israel, sparking a wide-scale manhunt and eventual capture of these political prisoners. Despite their eventual capture and torture by Israeli authorities, the event has been called the Great Escape right across the world. Israel has been left humiliated by its lax security and Palestinians have become emboldened. I interviewed Palestinian socialist and educator Reem Yunus on Monday the 20th of September, one day after the final pair were captured and re-imprisoned. Thank you for uh, asking me about this momentous, I think, juncture, if you like, in the uh, uh, Palestinian struggle, because it is it was quite historic what happened. And actually the fact that they called it the Great Escape, and that's not my uh, naming, it was from the media uh, called it that. It, they are trying actually to liken it to the Hollywood movie, The Great Escape, which is depicting the prisoners of war uh, of uh, during World War One, well, sorry, World War Two, who were uh, escaping the Nazis through digging tunnels and escaping it. But actually, the whole name, the Great Escape, captures the the feelings that the Palestinian uh, people uh, in the diaspora and inside Palestine of 1948, where that Gilbour prison is is. Uh, situated and inside the West Bank and Gaza, they all felt that uh, momentous uh, and unprecedented pride and, and, you know, victorious feeling. Uh, The story happens with uh, six Palestinians. Most of them, at least five out of these six, um, are um, spending uh, their life sentences. Most of them are on life sentence. The Palestinian prisoners, I would like to correct our language and say that they are political prisoners rather than what Israel likes to us to think of them as um, terrorists or just prisoners. Um, so they, these Palestinians, they are held captive uh, for uh, life sentences and they are held captive in Jalbur prison, which is considered um, one of the most highly fortified prison uh, in the the Israeli uh, uh, prison service system. When it was established two years back, it was held as the invincible prison, just like go into your thinking or imagination into Alcatraz or something like that. Uh, These six Palestinians, they thought and thought and thought because it is heavily fortified and the security is such that the prisoners are distributed six each in each cell and uh, they get searched twice a day and they are always under continuous monitoring. Yet the Palestinians, like when they say there is a will, there is a way. And the, these people who wanted to see freedom, even if it is for, for a few days, it, it, it would have been uh, their desperate thing to do, which is digging tunnels. And what they used, they dug tunnels underneath the, the, in the bathroom floor, somewhere where it was weak enough for them to dig, but of course it is still strong. 
and they used uh, spoons, ordinary spoons. One prisoner told his lawyer when he finally was recaptured and managed to speak to his lawyer five days after being recaptured. He told them he, he had used spoons, plates, whatever he had at his, you know, managed to, to smuggle to his cell, uh, including a, a handle of a kettle. That's what they've done. And they've been doing that for months. Some uh, speculate that might be started in December. So actually, uh, they dug about a 20 meter tunnel from their prison cell until the beginning, just like few meters in front of the prison walls. Like, can you imagine that hole where they, and they had to, uh, uh, force themselves to lose 40 kilos of their weight or half their body weight to be able to fit into that uh, these little thin tunnel holes that they could go under and, and, and go through. Um, and that hole was actually exactly in front of a watchtowers, one of the watchtowers. But uh, their prison escape was at 1.30 in the morning, so under the darkness. The first one waited for the all the fives and then all the six went away. And when they went away, they decided after a while to divide themselves into twos. So actually, when they captured, they were captured as the first pair and the second pair and the third pair, which was captured only yesterday, um, Sunday, 19th of September. So that's why it was called the, the Great Escape. Tell me about each of these six prisoners. Who are they and what were they imprisoned for? You already talked about these are political prisoners. What were the political activities that led these, these comrades, we'll call them comrades, um, to prison? Well, these uh, six prisoners prior to their prison had nothing in common or five of them were prison, uh, from uh, Islamic Jihad uh, which is more militant at the moment than Hamas, uh, whether in the West Bank or Gaza. But the sixth was, uh, uh, Zakaria Zubaydi was from, um, not Fatah per se, but from, uh, he was the former commander of the uh, Al-Aqsa Brigade. Um, Al-Aqsa Brigades is a military wing of Fatah during the first Intifada, and the second intifada. And after Abbas came to power, he uh, disqualified it and uh, asked uh, Zakaria Zubaydi to drop all, all militant activities. So these military people or comrades are people who fight the occupation through targeting. So when Israel captures these people, they capture according to intelligence. So sometimes they are captured because they are planning to attack to attack Israelis or Israeli settlers, or because they have actually carried out the attack. Uh, Zakaria Zubaydi, out of all of them, who is the only one from Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade, he is um, he has a very uh, interesting story out of all of them. He is uh, 46 years old. His own father, grandfather, I mean, his mom's father, was one of the first escapees of the same Jalboa prison. In the past, Jalboa prison was called Shatta prison before it became heavily fortified and it was called Jalboa prison. 
And that uh, uh, grandfather dug his, his way out back in 1951. So that's just a couple of years after Nakba. Zakaria Zubaydi, he's from the refugees of 1948 who lived in Jenin uh, refugee camp. And Jenin refugee camp, if you remember, or some of our audience remember, in 2002, they were um, besieged for a month at least. And in the end, it was like one kilometer squared of refugee camp was demolished over the heads of its occupants because it was so militant, you know? So moms, children, elderly, uh, yeah. So in that operation that Israel did in, 19, in 2002, they killed his mom and his sister, and he managed to escape as a 13-year-old. And since then, he's on the run. It, actually, the uh, Israeli leaders and the military commanders, they always consider him, they call him the, the escaping naughty cat, because he... No matter how they try to capture him in the past, through the Palestinian Authority collaboration or without, even when he was uh, uh, injured, he managed to escape from them until he was rounded up uh, less than three years ago. Now, you asked me to, uh, to tell you about them. Uh, they are six. The last two who were captured yesterday uh, were Ayham Kamamji, 35, uh, Munadil Infiat, he's 26. Munadil Infiat is uh, captured since uh, 2006 uh, and only on administrative detention, uh, whereas 2016, sorry, whereas uh, Ayham Kamamji is captured um, since 2006, but he has a life sentence. Um, so the, the administrative detention means he doesn't know even what his charges are, and he is held captive even without trial or uh, a hope for trial. Uh, the, the second pair who were captured five or six days after their escape are Muhammad Al-Arda, 39 years old, and Zakaria Zubaydi, who is uh, the one from the martyrs, uh, Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade. Muhammad Al-Arda, as I said, he is from Islamic Jihad. Uh, the third, the yeah, the third pair who were captured in the beginning uh, were Yaqub Qadri and Mahmoud Arda. Uh, these two were captured uh, in Nazareth or in the outskirts of the, of Nazareth. So were the second uh, groups, uh, the second pair, and also they too were from the political Islamic Jihad work. As I said, they are militant at the moment. So that's a bit about all of them, the six. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. I'm speaking with Reem Yunus, Palestinian socialist and educator, and we're discussing the Great Escape and what's next for the struggle for Palestinian independence. And how has Israel responded or how did Israel respond to the escapes in the immediate aftermath of the escapes? Well, because the Palestinians, of course, in, in 48 and, and 67 Palestine were happy, of course, the opposite morale was for the Israelis, especially in the Israeli top officials. They considered it a humiliating defeat for them and a big breach in their security system. 
And also they considered it a blow for their invincibility in front of the Palestinians. They want always to scare the Palestinians with them being the invincible. When in fact, most of their invincibility comes from their intelligence. That depends, of course, on the few ones or twos who are traitors from our people, unfortunately. So what they've done, they orchestrated a big manhunt, large scale unprecedented. They increased the number of checkpoints in the immediate places around, uh, because Dilbur prison is in the northern area of 1948, or what is called Israel, and its closest is Jenin and Tulkarim places of the northern West Bank. So more than 200 or almost 200 checkpoints were there. They even tapped the phones of uh, the people who are uh, relatives and family members of uh, these prisoners. They also used you know, the unmanned drones that were buzzing everywhere in, in the five kilometer radius around the prison. So actually, they were actually very angry and very, of course, disappointed and humiliated. At the same time, what I most hated about their manhunt is what they've done to the prisoners, not only in Jalbur prison, but also in all the Israeli prisons, including the ones in Jerusalem and in, in, in the outskirts of Ramallah. They actually did something that we call um, collective punishment by depriving them of meals, like one of the tactics, uh, depriving them of visits, which they do from time to time, but this time it was like at a more larger scale everywhere. And especially from those who, who are in the Jilboa prison, they were uh, under the threat, uh, not under the threat, they were uh, uh, undergoing um, torture. So because of that, the Palestinian prisoners inside Jalbur prison and other prisons, they collectively done a campaign called Alarm and Rebellion. So uh, some images escaped via the social media of some detainees, Palestinian detainees, actually setting fire for their own prison cell as a protest on the way they were brutally mistreated in the aftermath of that imprisonment. They actually, the Israelis, went to specifically to the Islamic Jihad faction and decided to separate them and transfer them against their will into other Israeli prisons. And in the same time, to not have more than one prisoner per cell of, from Islamic Jihad. But as I said, the fight back from the prisoners within a couple of days made the Israeli officials in every single prison to back off and stop it because they didn't want the outside world, I mean with them, the Palestinians outside, to catch a breath from that and start um, another uprising or something like that, you know? They didn't want that um, large-scale rebellion against them. But still, there are a lot of things I can tell you about the, the prisoners' movement inside. Before we get to that, I'm going to ask you, what... Um, has the impact been of the escape on Palestinian morale and on the the broader movement? Has it been well received? It was it was amazing. 
it was a fantastic boost to the morale of the Palestinians everywhere. It was uh, easy to see the Palestinians of 1945-48 giving each other uh, sweets in the streets. And you'd see the Palestinians um, in the 1967 West Bank areas going uh, into uh, the streets and holding spoons. So now spoons, not only the Palestine flag, became a symbol for the freedom. And uh, they were all talking about how to actually support our prisoners. And because the, the first pair of the prisoners were um, actually captured in the surrounding of uh, Nazareth prison, they were taken to a military prison in Nazareth. So the Palestinians of Nazareth, because Nazareth is 95% occupied, uh, not occupied, like res uh, resided by the Nazareth people, the Palestinian people, they all were surrounding where these first two were now being uh, held into the trial. Uh, and they were holding the flags and the spoons uh, and screaming loud, which in turn actually uh, affected the moods of these two uh, first two captured. The first two captured were Yaqub Qadri and Mahmoud Arba. They were all like, yeah, um, very happy about that. Because look, and the Israelis, of course, were very taken aback from that. Every time they see the Palestinians of 48, after more than 70 uh, years of occupation since 1948 and being called Israeli Arabs, they still don't consider themselves Israelis. They consider themselves Palestinians under occupation. That really pissed them off very well, very, very bad. Well, there are almost 5,000 Palestinian prisoners in Israel, in Israeli jails. What are their yeah. conditions like and what's their treatment like? Yeah, so according to Adala and Adamir, which are the Palestinian right groups for the minorities, as you said, close to 5,000. There are 4,650 as of 19th of September. Uh, 520 are under administrative detention, which means they don't know when will their trial be taken? They don't know what their charge is, and they are also mistreated. There are 200 children. And when I say children, I mean children under 12, from 9 to 12. They are not supposed, according to the Geneva Conventions, to capture anybody under 16. But no, there are 200 children at the moment, 40 females. Now, uh, all these prisoners have been staging uprising after uprising in the past few years until they get certain few uh, rights or privileges. And then these privileges were taken back uh, in the recent uh, outbreak. So for example, one of the privileges they wanted, which is not to be deprived of uh, seeing their lawyers. And these six escapees, the first two, they only got to be to see their lawyers only five nights after they have been captured. And of course, in these five nights, they were uh, brutally tortured. One of them was like, obviously, his uh, the right side of his jaw was broken. The right ha hand side of his eye was all bruised. All his body was bruised. They were um, uh, tidying, uh, tying them up in a very restrained condition and depriving them of sleep. Uh, most of the time, they uh, interrogate them uh, like 16 in the, uh, interrogators in the same 
room at the same time to interrogate them and uh, denying them any medical treatment, anything at all for their wounds uh, they sustained. And that's for these escapees. The other ones who didn't escape, and even in the best conditions, relatively, they were also on and off deprived of seeing their families, deprived uh, of seeing their lawyers from time to time, uh, uh, deprived of listening to the news. That one hour of break, uh, sometimes the, it is removed from them. Um, and that's why you see from time to, to time or you hear from time to time about the hunger, uh, going on hunger strike, because they are asking for basic humans, human rights, especially the people in administrative detention and those who cannot see the sun for, for a long time, um, you know, because of not giving them even that one hour of, of recess. So at the moment, last week, uh, not last week, actually Friday, 19th, uh, 17th of September, was supposed to be a day of their national hunger strike in Jilbur prison. 1,380 prisoners uh, agreed on that in Jilbur prison and the rest of the prisoners elsewhere to join them within a few days. What happened is the uh, prison services, the Israeli prison services uh, in command co collaborated with some, um, some in the Palestinian Authority who claim that they are for the prisoners and they cut a deal to stop uh, this strike, this hunger strike from going ahead uh, until the negotiations have been done. And they dangled for them the sweetener, which is allowing the, two the first two prisoners to, to, meet their, um, to meet their lawyers. So they actually suspended the strike but not actually stopped it. Uh, as we speak, just 15 minutes ago, before we started this interview, Giselle, I was uh, pleasantly surprised and, and pleasantly informed that the hunger strike now is going ahead with 100 uh, prisoners at the moment to be continued after because all the negotiations for their basic rights have been um, uh, uh, not accepted by the prison authorities, the Israeli uh, prison authorities. You must also remember our prisoners, our Palestinian comrades, prisoners, uh, when you talk about the Israeli apartheid, you should remember that when they are rounded up, if they round up, let's say the Israeli settlers who set fire a few years back to a boy or to a, a, a Palestinian family, these settlers will be rounded up in civilian courts. Our Palestinian prisoners, they are, if they face court at all, they face it in military court where you have no right, no basic legal right whatsoever is, is uh, carried out. Uh, and I know that for a fact from just reading the statistics and the facts that I read from Adamir and Adala uh, these uh, human um, rights um, NGOs, um, which actually uh, act within 1948 uh, Palestine or Israel. 
It's extraordinary what the Palestinian people are being subjected to, especially the prisoners, and no doubt there are ongoing campaigns for their release. Uh, Reem, thank you so much for your time on the program today. Was there anything you wanted to add? I just want to add that we should be uh, supporting them, uh, 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 leaving our keeping our heads held up high uh, with their heroic um, escape, as I said, because it has uh, broken the idea that they are invincible. Our enemy is not invincible. That was Reem Yunus, Palestinian socialist and educator, and we were discussing the great escape and what's next for the struggle for Palestinian independence. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. The music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kunjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in to the show. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.